Welcome to Food Safety University, episode number 16, and we have an amazing podcast today. I have my coach, Maggie Reyes, on to talk about communication in our workplaces and how she teaches communication. This is going to be an amazing, amazing episode. So get out your pen and paper, take notes, and share it with anybody who you care about communicating with. Um, Welcome to the Food Safety University podcast presented by Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele of Dirigo Food Safety. Tune in to learn food safety in plain English. We will break down the ins and outs of the food code, HACCP plans, you name it. We make food safety simple, easy, and even fun. Now here is your host, Dr. P. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm so excited to be here because today we have an absolutely amazing guest, one of my most favorite people in the universe, and she doesn't know it, but I absolutely love her smile. She is Maggie Reyes. She's a marriage life coach, and she is my marriage coach. So I know you guys listened to podcast episode 100, where Andrew and I talked about running a family business. Well, I have to tell you, Maggie is one of the reasons why running a family business together is so successful. So Maggie, I'd love it if you introduced yourself to our listeners. Tell us everything. Absolutely. First of all, it's my pleasure to be here. I think food safety is so important. I'm so happy that we have people, everyone listening to us right now, working diligently for the benefit of all of us who benefit from your work. So thank you. Thank you so much. It is truly an honor. As you mentioned, I am a marriage life coach. That's what I focus on all the time. Just like all of you think about food safety all the time. I think about things like how to talk better, how to listen better, which is what we're going to talk about today. Um, so thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be that, that you're here because there are things that you teach in the course that we're in together that are so incredibly important that I have actually put to use, um, not just with the man that I'm married to, but with all of my clients. Um, I actually, I think I told you, I put it to use on the Facebook page that I'm an admin for. So it's called the Salt Cured Pig. And there are 31,000 of us there. And I we we talked about your communication strategies so that we could be nice to each other online. Um, I love hearing that. That just makes my heart sing. <laughs> right? Well, that's what we're that's what we're here uh, to do. Is so make everybody's heart sing. So tell me, Maggie. I want to talk. I want to talk about what like how you approach communication. Um, what your back like? Give us a little bit about your background okay, and, sure. and how like how you come to this the approach to communication that you take, because you don't take the same approach that a lot of people do. And I think that that's super important for people to understand. So before I worked with marriages, I worked in HR, uh, both in training and recruitment and just general HR for probably 15 years, definitely over 10 years. And so it's all about people, right? I've, my whole career has always been about how do I help people either get things done or get along with other people so that they can get things done. And so that definitely colors the way that I think about things, I think in a way that's just a little bit different. Um, so when I left HR, I certified at the life coach school while I was still in, in HR. And then I've done a bunch of other trainings around what makes relationships thrive, right? My focus is always on thriving. So it's not just getting by or making it okay or just fine. It's like, wait, what does thriving look like? And I used to host a Facebook group that was free 
I ran it for about three years and it was really meant for women who were struggling in their marriages. And I would like post articles and give them some guidance and share some of my podcast episodes, things like that. And the joining question that I would ask is like, what is the number one thing you want help with? And 98% of the time it was communication. So when someone joined my group, I would ask, well, what is it? Is it listening? Is it talking? Where do you get stuck? What, what are the things? And I was able to really get a wide variety of answers around, oh, I get too emotional and then I can't make my point. Or, oh, my partner gets emotional and walks away. Or I'm afraid to say something. Like I started just making a very informal list of all the issues that I saw repeated over and over and over again. And then that's really how the tool we're gonna to talk about today, which is called soul-centered communication, how that got developed was I did a lot of observing first, and then I sat down and thought, okay, what is the simplest, most doable way <laughs> to address some of these things? And I think part of it is my HR background because one of the things I used to see in training that would frustrate me the most, and any of you who have either been to a training or led a training, see if this resonates for you, is we do this training and everybody would leave all fired up. Like we're ready to like eat the world on a stick. We're going to change everything. Then you get to your office and like a week later, no one has done anything about anything that we talked about in this training. And so one of my thoughts always, whenever we talked about trainings or planned things was like, how do we keep it alive? How do we make this part of our culture? It's not about the two hours in the room or however long the training is. It's about what do we take outside the room? So when I was creating this tool, I was like, if this isn't the simplest thing that you could learn in one time listening to me right now, it, no. <laughs> Right. So that's a little bit about how it was developed and my thought process behind it. That's super interesting because you said something that I focus on a lot and I teach a lot. It all started with observations. Yes. So we, so I am very fond of saying we miss more by not looking than yes. by not knowing. Oh, wait, say that again. We miss more by not looking than by not knowing. That is so good. Right? I mean, yeah. like, that is, that. so that came to me from one of my vet school professors, Scott Brown yeah. at the University of Georgia. And he was, he was my professor of renal physiology and he was um, an internist. So he, you know, like dogs and everything, you know, everything would come in with like really complicated renal problems. Yeah. And the first thing he was like, we have to, you know, we have to observe because our patients yeah. can't talk to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I used to talk about in HR, which I think is so um, parallel with this, is management by walking around. Mm -hmm. And there were some managers, I'm specifically thinking of one, that we would all just discuss how she never left her office. It's like, how does she know anything about her team or what's going on? She literally never ever left her office and I you know when I was younger in my HR career when I was like the peon like just junior person walking around I would learn so much about everything that was happening just by observing just by being in the space with with the people and just being available for that right and I think that when we look at communication one of the things that I have learned yeah. so much in the marriage MBA course is yeah. to be observant yeah. of myself yes 
when I am not only communicating with Andrew, but communicating with the kids, right? Yes. Because I have middle school aged kids who yes. you now have to be like cognizant yes. of how we actually talk to them. <laughs> yes. yes. Right? But then, but then how am I speaking to my clients, which then yes. allows me to look at how are my clients speaking to each other? Yes. What you're talking about, like you said something is, you know, like people would say, I need help with communication. And the problem is, is I get so emotional. Yes. And we bring our whole selves to work. Right. Yes. It's not like like I leave mom, Michelle back at the house and bring mom, Michelle here. (laughs) We bring our whole selves to work, whether we want to or not. Whether we acknowledge we do or not. Yes. I think it's very important for us to just have a moment to really see that, that we might think we're bringing a different persona, but we bring our fears, our concerns, the things that we haven't dealt with in other areas of our life, which is why when you do work in one area, like I'm not surprised that you're doing this um, marriage program where you got this tool, you used it at home. I'm not surprised. And now you're using it as many places as possible. Because when we do work on one area of our lives, you get better at running a difficult meeting with your colleagues. You will be better at talking with your kids when they're teenagers. It's, it definitely crosses over. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because the ability to communicate at work, you know, the, the, the folks listening to this podcast go through some very high stress situations. You know, they call me, oh my God, Dr. P, the FDA is knocking on the door. They're about to close me down. I don't know if I'll ever be able to produce food again. They're about to lose their livelihoods, oh, right? Yeah. Which is like one of the most stressful things that anybody can go through, right? It's yeah. like right up there with like losing your spouse. Yeah. But then we expect them to... Um, go into their crisis communication SOP and execute a crisis communications SOP, which includes blanketing social media with an on point on, you know, target message. We expect them to um, work with their regulators. We expect them to work with the people in their um, production facility who may have made a really critical mistake. Yeah. Right. And then they're bored there, you know, like there's their boards or shareholders that they're accountable to. And then there's the whole universe of customers that may or may not right. be expected, right? And uh-huh. so they're in this like clutch situation uh-huh. and uh-huh. they have to be able to communicate effectively in order for uh-huh. the whole thing not to go up in flames. So here's what I see or what came to mind for me is I worked for many years in the cruise industry. And one of the things that you do every, every week when you're on a ship is you do safety drills. And you do things like you things that you could imagine. You could do the fire on board, bomb on board, person overboard, those types of drills, right? And the reason that they do them every week, in and out, in and out, in and out, is so when the emergency happens, you're so used to doing it this way. It's your automatic response. You don't even have to think about it. So when we talk about soul-centered communication and when Michelle talks about the concepts that she teaches all of you both on the podcast and when you work with her, it's so that becomes automatic. So when the FDA calls, instead of freaking out, the normal way you answer is, of course, we have that documented. Of course, come on over. Would would you like to see us? You know, it's automatic as opposed to this reactive crisis moment, which just for everyone listening, the sooner that you do one of her programs, like the better, not because I'm a guest on her podcast, but because that is what will help your business 
not have that crisis, right? <laughs> you know, before I worked in HR, I worked with lawyers for almost 10 years. And one of the things we talked about all the time is it is it worth, you know, to invest the $10,000 to avoid the $100,000 mistake? And every time it is, right? <laughs> we would have that conversation a lot. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out. It's like that idea of this is my automatic response. This is how I normally do things. So important. Right. And how, you know, in the army, uh, the way we practice yeah. is the way we execute. Mm. Ooh, wait, say that again. This is so good. I got chills. Say it again. The way we practice is the way yes. we execute. Oh, that's so good. Right? You can't practice. Like we had training every Thursday. Come hell mm-hmm. or high water, we had training every single Thursday. Mm-hmm. And people would be like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, I would do it different downrange. You don't. We have decades of experience showing how people react under gunfire and how we can walk that backwards to the training programs so that you have muscle memory. And when you're looking at soul-centered communication, it's developing that muscle memory to go like through like it's in my head it's a checklist yes go through that and say okay am I even in a place where I can communicate Mm -hmm. right first question yes yeah and so with that let's like introduce soul-centered communication okay what what the acronym means okay now that we kind of have some you know like why this is a good context for it yeah totally right okay so here's what the acronym means then I'm gonna go just go through the whole thing and then we can go item by item on how to implement each one so soul actually stands for s is for solution focused O is for open-hearted, and I always say if I was training in HR, I would just switch it out for open-minded. Same, same. U is uncomplicated, and L is for loving, and loving in a very, very specific way we're going to talk about, and we could think about it almost as respect if we're in a professional setting. Um, I think we can all love each other and work together. And some people might not resonate with that word. So just think about respecting your colleague or respecting the professional that's sitting in front of you. So soul, solution-focused, open-hearted, uncomplicated and loving. And then centered stands for something that if you only leave this show doing the centered part, you'll already be way ahead of all of your colleagues and everybody else you work with, which is that you don't engage unless you can be in a place of grounded, centered communication. So if you're in a stress cycle, which requires you to know A, what a stress cycle is, and B, if you're in one, right? So fight, flight, freeze, or appease. If you recognize that you're argumentative or you recognize that you wanna avoid or leave, right? There's avoidance behaviors that are part of a stress cycle. Or if you recognize, like for example, this would happen to me when I was younger with my bosses. I would agree with them when I really didn't agree with them, right? I'd say, oh yes, 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 of course. Oh, we can have that done in half the time that you want it, that that, that I think is actually possible. Yes, 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 right? That's really me in a stress cycle, appeasing this person who's in a position of power in front of me. But that isn't that doesn't really serve the conversation because maybe it can't really be executed to the level of excellence or safety that we require. So appeasing, while it sounds not as, I don't know, uh, fancy as fight or flight, it's actually part of the stress cycle we want to pay a lot of attention to. 
And I think it's something that happens at work a lot because we feel like, you know, and you and I have talked about this, are we emotionally safe to stand up to people? And this yes. has massive safety implications. Yes. Right? Because yes. safety is predicated on, can you say something? Yes. If you see something. Yes. And, and, and good um, food safety corporate culture yes. says yes, that you can, but there are a lot of places where it is, it is yeah. not acceptable to see something yeah. and say something. Yeah. And so that appeasement, because people know when things are going wrong, right? but that appeasement is, is, is absolutely part of it and is something that happens at work. And I think it's one of the things that um, is probably, you know, it, I mean, most people are not yelling and, and that, I mean, we've right. all been work situations. I've, I've had things yeah. thrown at me, you know, right. um, and so we've been in those level of high stress, people swearing yeah. at us situations. It's not the majority of what goes on. Right. A lot of the stress cycles at work are hiding in front of your computer. Yep. Right. Flight yep. or freeze. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That can yeah. be flight or that can be freeze. Working on useless stuff, yeah. doom scrolling when you're yeah. supposed to be working or, yeah. you know, like appeasing and always saying yes. And then not getting the work done because yeah. you, you had no idea what you were because your brain just like, or saying yes, staying until midnight and then resenting the heck out of your supervisor or your boss or whatever it is that you agreed to, as opposed to saying, hey, this can be done. It'll take six more hours. Do you realize it would require the team to work overtime or it would require, like, this is what it would require. So that's what I learned how to do when I when I realized that appeasing was not the way forward, what I learned how to do was instead of saying no, I would just clarify, this is what that would require, which is basically just adding context to the conversation and then letting the person involved, you know, really decide, am I willing to pay that price, whether it's overtime or whether it's, okay, stay until midnight, but then take tomorrow off or whatever the, the, the solution actually is. Right, yeah. right. And I think that centeredness is not something yeah. we ever talk about at work. Yeah. No, but yeah. if you want to be in a workplace that's worth working in. Yes. <laughs> right. We yeah. spend 80% of our waking lives with the people we work with, even if it's over Zoom right now, right? Yes. Like, and in food manufacturers, factory, we're like still right there right. with each other. And yeah. we're there at work and, and, and that being, being able to be centered and being able to be in a place that where you can have centered communication yeah. Yeah. will allow for, frankly, more profitability. So here's something interesting that when we were talking about how did my background lead me to create this tool in this particular way, one of the trainings that I did was at this wonderful institute called the Gottman Institute. They research marriages, they, they research what makes couples thrive and what makes couples get divorced, and then they create interventions based on the, the research that they do. And one of the concepts I learned from them was this idea of flooding, which is basically just everyone that's listening, imagine when someone cuts you off in traffic and you see red. That moment that you see red, there is a physiological thing that happens in your body and they have labeled it or name it flooding. So you feel literally flooded. So in marriage relationships, flooding, when you see that red, is the worst time to problem solve, right? 
who is thinking clearly and critically and analytically about the long-term success of a project or the cost benefit analysis or whatever it is that you're doing when you've just finished seeing red. So that sort of was in the back of my brain around, wait, if we want to communicate in a way that's the most productive, that's the most useful, that will help us create the best results, we can't do it when we're in that state. And so all we need to do is take a moment. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's we literally have to let those chemicals flow through our body. There's an actual thing that's happening. Sometimes we need to shake it off, like literally. Sometimes we need to take a walk around the block or go pet a cat, whatever the thing is that helps you relax and center and then come back to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at brain scans, functional MRIs and PET scans of people yeah. in that instance, their brain yeah. literally doesn't work. Like there is yeah. no activation yeah. in, in most of the part, like your, your yeah. brain is still working, but, yeah. but most of the, the parts of your brain that yeah. are in charge of organizing information and, and, and moving yeah. information through your body. Yeah they don't they it's like a blank screen if you look at it on a brain scan yeah and think about for everyone who's listening that i know so many of you are leaders in your industry you are the leaders who lead your team that your team is looking for you to guidance when you have an inspection or when something happens and something goes wrong think about how you're communicating with your team when you have 20 people that you just made an announcement and put them all in that flooding state like we, that's why we need to take a moment and step back and then we can go to the soul part of it, which is solution focused, open-hearted, uncomplicated. Uncomplicated is one of my favorite places to start, even though it's in the middle, because I've never met a person who hasn't done this at least once where we have a conversation with someone or we make an announcement to our team and we want to talk about everything that happened since the beginning of the history of the world in a marriage situation, it's like that time in 1987 when you forgot the ice cream or whatever that is, right? Or when we're talking to our teams, oh, we never get together this way. So let me just tell them 37 things that are happening in the company, right? As opposed to what is the one most important thing that really has to be communicated in this moment and this way. And then once that's complete, going on to the next. Right. And this is like, honestly, I think soul central communication is the trick to like the five minute meeting, because if you're not in a place, let's start with S. If you're not in a place where you are solutions oriented and all you want yeah. to do is get together and bitch. Yeah. Let's not have the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's okay. So solution focus. So let's talk about that for a second. All of us have that friend that can tell you the inner depths of their biggest problem in significant detail for 20 years. The problem is the same and they can describe it from every angle. We all have, we have, sometimes we've been that person, but we all know that person, right? So when we get together to communicate and we're solution focused, the number one thing is what does resolution look like? What does success look like? What do we want either out of the meeting or what, what is the goal we're trying to accomplish by having this meeting? Just taking that one step of saying, this is what success looks like here, again, will make you so much more efficient than anyone else in your industry is just so useful, even if you just did that one line out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, open-hearted. Open-hearted, open-minded is really are you ready to consider a different idea other than the one you woke up with this morning? 
right? It doesn't mean you're going to agree with the idea and it doesn't mean you're going to execute on that idea. It's just, are you willing to consider the merits of whatever is presented to you by your team, by your colleagues or whatever, if it's an inspector that's asking for something, are, are you in a state where you can consider that there's some value to this, even if you don't execute it, there's a piece of it that's useful, there's a part of it that can help you. That's really what I mean by open-hearted or open-minded. Yeah, and the way that the way that I talk about it when, you know, like I've talked about it to yeah. other people is, yeah. is that if somebody you liked, you know, and you told us this, like yeah. if somebody you liked wanted to give you a hug, would, yeah. would, would you be able to, you know, I mean, yeah, you'd be concentrating right. on your meeting, but right. like, uh, you'd be, you'd be open to, if my kid came up to me right now and gave me yeah. a hug, we'd like, keep having our zoom call and drive on. <laughs> exactly. So it's like the way I like to explain it to my marriage coaching clients is, are you huggable? Because immediately you know whether you're open or closed. If there's any doubts whether you're open or closed is are you huggable right now or not, you immediately know whether you are or not. And then the idea is if you aren't, um, we re reassess, reschedule, renegotiate. So it's like these are things to do proactively to have more effective communication. But when you're not maybe in a space where maybe the person isn't solution focused, okay, let's reassess. Maybe you go back to being uncomplicated and you go back to just, oh, what's the one thing we want to get out of this meeting? Let's refocus on that. Oh, let's reassess. Is this meeting even necessary? Should we have a meeting about something else with different people? Do we need different team members here? So that idea of like, okay, solution focused, open-hearted, open-minded, uncomplicated, and then reassess, renegotiate, reschedule as needed, depending on where you are with any one of those things. Yeah. Right. Just because you put something down on the calendar. Yeah. Does not mean if nobody's in the space to do it. I mean, then you don't have, then it's not worth doing. There's there. So I think it was um, Peter Drucker, mm -hmm. Peter Drucker that says um, there is nothing quite so useless as doing with great efficiency, that which should never have been done at all. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And so important. And we oftentimes forget that. Right. And it's incredibly important in, in communication. Yeah. Mm. And it's very easy when you're working on the same things over and over again and kind of see the same patterns over and over again to try to apply the same way you do one thing in your facility to do another thing. And maybe that other thing doesn't need those 17 steps. So one thing that used to happen to me a lot in HR, people would come into my office and they'd have this whole elaborate plan about something they wanted to do. And they'd sit in front of me and I'd say, okay, what is the problem you're trying to solve? And it turns out that these 17 steps in three steps, we solved that problem. We didn't, didn't need those things, right? So that's goes, going back to being solution focused. What is the problem we're trying to solve or the success we're trying to create, the goal that we're working towards? Because sometimes it's not a problem. Sometimes it's, wait, what do we want to create here, right? right? Yeah. Okay, so loving the way that I teach it is many times because we're loving kind-hearted people we defer whether it's to our boss our colleague or co-workers both in conversations and in projects and in different things and what i invite you to do is to include yourself in in your deference so i'm loving towards michelle and towards myself i'm listening with interest to what she has to say and i'm considering my thoughts about the same thing yeah, and I think that there is, that can be very complicated mm -hmm. at work. Mm -hmm. And 
just being able to, it almost gets back to in order to be able to do that, you have to be centered. <sighs> yes. Yes. To remember yes. that you are also a participant in this conversation. Yes. You create yourself the way you want to. Yes. In the conversation, because that's what, you know, like, you know, we talk about and one of our coaches talks about it's the who before the how, Yes. you know, and we do problem solving around that all the time here. Like what results are you trying to create and who are you going to be? Right. Because it doesn't matter whether you're trying to create a thriving marriage or a epically awesome Iberico ham. Yes. Who do you want to be in that process? And for people who are into like the social gastronomy movement and sustainable gastronomy, which is like the people who live into this. Yeah. Not all Iberico hams are created equal. Yeah. You know, and the one that comes off of, you know, even if it's not an Iberico, it's an Iberico style ham that comes off my friend's farm in Georgia where those pigs are, you know, he's, he's got the genetics down and he raises them and they all have names and they all, yeah. all of that sort of stuff that tells a story is in like, not that that's who he wants to be while he produces his food and deciding yes. who you want to be. Yeah. Incredibly important, whether you're having a conversation or producing your product um, absolutely absolutely and when you said that here's what came to me is that when we think about being soul centered and we get to that loving line it's like how does how i'm showing up in this conversation reflect the values that i've said matter to me like sometimes the most loving thing i could do is to be blunt sometimes the most loving thing i can do is to be diplomatic sometimes the most loving thing I could do is to reschedule the conversation sometimes the most loving thing I could do is to have the conversation so it's even the the tactic is going to change but the moment that you pause long enough to ask yourself the question you're just elevating whatever you're going to produce from that communication by pausing and asking yourself the question right and the unit you know I mean it's a little bit in the woo but the universe hears you Yeah. When you do that right and when you're yeah. living into the values that so many people you know like yeah. in, in this in this sustainable yeah. food industry profess yeah you know we talk about honoring the animal but i also talk about honoring the people and if you're in the yes. middle of a recall right yeah. you've got it like like all these people worked on all of yes. that food and we've got to yeah. honor the people as well <laughs> yes i love that so so much and i would say I love the woo, but I'm going to bring it back to really groundedness too. The universe hears you, but you know who else hears you? Your colleagues, your customers, um, the, your future employees that say, these are, this is the brand I want to work for. Oh, this is the company that I want to be a part of. So it's like, the, the, I do think the universe hears you, but also in a very grounded way, the people that you have immediate interactions with that have a very direct impact on the quality of your business and the success of your business also hear you when you communicate in this way it's extremely powerful i i could not agree more i could not agree more okay so now with that i hope we've like completely enrolled you in the idea that doing soul-centered communication is the way forward because Yes. Amazing. And so um, we're uh, just about at time. So Maggie, tell us how if people are interested in working with you or learning more, where they can go, what they can do. Tell us, tell us all the details. <laughs> Absolutely. So my website is my name. So it's maggiereyes.com. It's R-E-Y-E-S. 
Um, you can find me there and anything I'm ever working on, that's the best place to go look. I also host a podcast. It's called The Marriage Life Coach Podcast. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So if you want to hear more about this concept and some of the other concepts that I teach my students and my clients, you can find me on anywhere podcasts are broadcast. That sounds good. Okay. And so everybody will link to that in the show notes. I will tell you she's enrolling for the marriage MBA program and it has been absolutely life-changing and I'm so glad that I did it. And so go get on her list and check out her stuff and check that program out because it's been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I love you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button and check us out at foodsafetyuniversity.com. We have free food safety guides waiting for you. See you next time.